to church. Good morning and welcome to church this morning. Uh, I just have to say to our worship team, which I think they've kind of escaped here, but I want to say thank you to our worship team today because what happened during the service today was kind of a big deal, but we kept going in worship. And this is a team that practices extremely hard. And if a team didn't have uh, cohesiveness like what they do right now, they wouldn't have been able to continue on like what they did. And I want to say thank you to our team for all the work that they put in our tech team, our production team, everyone who's doing all the work. Um, it's so important that our worship team is continually doing the things that they're doing right now because God is going to help us grow in our relationship through worship. So we are eternally grateful and thank you. And you guys can kind of tell why I married my wife because she is awesome. Uh, she, she brought us into the place where we need to go into um, even when things were kind of chaotic. And you really have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. They have things in their ears and they're hearing things and it's, it's chaotic. I couldn't do it. So we have no idea what they just did and how they were able to work through that and bring us into a spot where God, uh, we were able to worship God in an amazing, that was honestly one of the best worship sets I've experienced. And so I am really ready to go to preach today. It's like I don't even have to preach, but I'm ready to go. So we're in this series that we've simply called it Follow Jesus. It's very simply stated. It's very simple uh, in context of knowing what it means. It means to follow Jesus. And maybe you've seen, we put an ad on Facebook, and it says Follow Jesus. And maybe you've seen that. Maybe you haven't. Maybe your friends are seeing it. But it's simple. Follow Jesus. But I don't know that we completely understand what it means because our culture has flipped it to something that it might not be. And so during this series of teachings, if you haven't already listened to the one from last week, it starts out the whole thing called the way of Jesus. Jesus has a way for us to follow him. We can't make up our own way to follow him. We can't say, well, this is the way I follow Jesus. No, he has given us ways to follow him. And this is what we're going to be teaching on in the next several weeks here about how to follow Jesus more deeply. So a small recap from last week, to follow Jesus means to be with Jesus. We have to have that intimate time with him. That is the number one thing. We have to be with Jesus become like Jesus, and then we have to do what Jesus did. And let me just tell you real quick my interpretation of how our American Christianity works a little bit. I think that we believe that we have to believe a certain thing to follow Jesus. We have to know the things of Jesus to be a follower of Jesus. That's not what it means. Be with Jesus, intimacy, quiet time with him, be close to him, do what Jesus did, and be like Jesus. I want to jump into the Bible here in John 1, 35 through 39. It says, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. That was it. Just they saw him and they followed him, physically followed him. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. I love that. Come and see. He's, 
he's inviting us in. This is important for us in our 21st century life too. Come and see. He's inviting you to come and see, to walk into his life, look what his life looks like, follow what he does, look exactly what he does in his life, and that's what we're going to be digging into over the next couple of weeks is what are the things that Jesus did that made him Jesus, made him the pinnacle of being Christian? He is the Christ. How do I do what he does? So we look at the things that he did. He says, come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. How many of us have remained with him? Are we able to remain with him? What does that mean? How do we spend time with him? Because he's not a physical being right now in this room, right? As much as we would love him to be. But what does it mean to remain in him, for him to be with us during the middle of our life? Like my wife was saying during the worship set, this week for our family, and I know it has been for several families because people talk to us about how your lives are going, and we love that. We love to pray for you. This has been a chaotic week. We were in the ER in Iowa City on Monday. I was in the doctor's office a couple days this week. Many of us were dealing with all kinds of different things going on in our lives. Attack, attack, attack. But it's those moments that we find how deep our relationship is with God. And I'm finding in my own life, there is another level of depth that I need in my life. And so as I'm preaching this to you, I'm listening to it at the same time. John 143 through 49 says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, again, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. This is, they knew who he was before he declared who he was. People have been prophesying about who Jesus was for centuries before he came. And these guys recognized it right away. They were like, That's the Messiah. That is the Christ. That is the person that God is sending for us. And he said, we have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And then they say, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Fort Madison? Nazareth. Now, I think Nazareth might even be worse than, I love Fort Madison. Don't get me wrong. Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. Again, that's, that's the invitation the entire time. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. And then he said, How do you know about me, Nathaniel asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, that mean, that meaning that he was there when he didn't even know he was there. Jesus is right there with you when you don't even know he was there. And I was sharing this with my, uh, my, some people this week in, a, in a, one of our small groups that I can remember back to some traumatic experiences in my life as a child that I'm just now starting to bring up into my life and go back through them and think through them. It's an incredibly important thing that we need to do as Christians 
and I and it's it was traumatic, it was abusive, and it was incredibly difficult, and it's difficult to go back to, but I'm thinking back to those times, and I'm asking myself, where was Jesus in the middle of that? And because I know who Jesus is at this point in my life, I know the character of Jesus because I've read the Bible, I've learned more about him, and I can say with certainty that he was right there next to me. He was encouraging me. He was loving me. He was trying to get that person away from me. He was trying to get them to stop. He was there loving he was kind, he was genuine, he was generous to me. He was right there with me. No matter what you're going through right now in your life, whatever you've gone through in your past, he was right there with you and he wants to love on you. He wants to share his life with you. He wants you to know that he loves you with everything. He loved you enough to die on a cross so that you can have a perfect relationship with God. He did all of that. That was an act of love so that we can live eternally. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. This is an incredibly important part of our following Jesus. This is important because humility is important in in being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus. If we think that all we need to do is believe the things that the Bible says in order to get into a relationship with God, then we're missing it. Actually, it's to get to a point where we are submitting our life to Jesus and the ways of Jesus, saying, your way is better than mine. And that is a point where we have to humble ourselves. If we don't humble ourselves, then we'll find ourselves being humbled. And that is one of the most humiliating parts of life. We can either humiliate ourselves and humble ourselves to Jesus and allow him to work through us or we can be humbled. But this is what it's saying. Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. You are greater than anything that I could do, anything that I could ever be, anything that I could ever do or or think of. You are the one that's great and mighty and strong. It's not me. I cannot perform a task that is good enough to be in a relationship with you. And that's when we bow to our knees and we say, Jesus, it's all you. It's all you. I can't do this. So number one today is come and see. It's the greatest invitation of all time. We've, I've done messages about this topic before, and, and we've built you know, the concept of the table the idea of being invited to a fancy dinner and being going to something like martinis or something like that. Like, it's the greatest invitation of all time. And he's coming, he's asking you to come to dinner with him, and, and all of us are invited. He's saying, come and see what I can do in your life. When you are fully surrendered, giving your life to him and allowing him to work in your life, what can happen? And at the end of that life, he pays the entire bill. Could you imagine how much it would cost for all of us to have $50 a head, right? He's paying the entire bill. It's all there for you. John 14, 16 through 18 says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. This is the Holy Spirit who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives within you. So all that to say, 
when you give your life to Jesus, you've surrendered your life to him, and you say, Jesus, you are the king, you're the, you're the teacher, the great teacher, you're the one that I'm going to submit to. Whatever your ways are, whatever the things that you do are, I'm giving it to you. I want to do what you do. Then he's saying he's going to give you someone just like him inside of you, the Holy Spirit. So his spirit is then going to be with your spirit and going to help lead you in this relationship with him. So sometimes you feel this urge to do the right thing. If you are a Christian, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you in your spirit. I will not, it says, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. John 14, 23 through 27, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. Now, a lot of, if you grew up in a Christian home, a lot of times parents have used this the opposite way, saying, if you would love me, you would do what I say, or you would do what I say if you loved me. But Jesus is saying, if you are falling in love with me over and over and over again, if you're constantly connected to me, if you're with me, if your daily life is connected to me, you're naturally just going to want to do what I ask you to do. So some of us have those things in the Bible that are like, oh, I'm not doing that. I was sitting with some teenagers this week, and they're like, I'm not doing that. <clears throat> it shows points of growth. I'm not, I'm not badgering on any teenagers. It just shows that we need, we have areas of growth that we need to be closer to God in. We have areas that we can be closer to him in and give more of our life to him because everything he asks us to do is something that's good for us. And he wants us to, to abide in him. And I'm gonna read the rest of this. He says, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. He wants to make a home in you. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But the Father sends the advocate, the Holy Spirit, as my representative that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift. So Jesus lived for 33-ish years. We don't know for sure, but that's kind of what we think. He came to earth. He lived with us physically, and he did this to give us the example. He showed us exactly how to live. He showed us how to be with him. He showed us how to be with God. He showed us what to do. He showed us every core value that he had. And he wants us to live those things, right? So we have the example. But then he left. He died. He went up with his father. And he left us someone just like him in our soul, in our spirit. He allowed us to have the Holy Spirit inside of us when we give our life to God. He's saying, I'm giving you a gift, something that is more valuable than anything else on earth. It's the greatest gift we've ever experienced. This is the basis of following Jesus, to be with him and to hang out with him and to have that spirit, spiritual connection with him. This is where it gets really interesting because I think in our American Christianity, we've made this, we've turned all of this into some sort of checklist. It's like, you've got to read your Bible, you've got to pray, and you've got to, you know, go to church. 
And yes, those are amazing things. Those are things that will help you with your relationship with Jesus. But we don't go to church just to go to church. We go to church because there's a connection that happens when, when the people are with each other and worshiping God, coming closer to him, then there's a connection there that you can't even define, but it's through the Holy Spirit that brings us all closer to him. It's so important that it's, it's, it's like the life that we need. It's the life that we have to have in order to make it through the rest of this life. When we pray, yeah, it, if you pray just to pray, it's going to be very boring, like, you hear about these people who pray for three hours, and I'm still, I'm not there. Like, that's like a long time. But I'm getting to the point where I'm becoming more mature in my faith, and I could pray for a little bit longer, maybe like 10, 15 minutes. Like, let's go. There's somebody out there. That's good, right? But if we're just praying to pray, we're going to be bored out of our mind. But if we're praying to get that life source from Jesus, our, our connection with Jesus then we will receive something from it. But don't look at it as like, well, Pastor Kyle's doing 15 minutes. I got to do 15 minutes when I get home. No. Like, I, I could do one minute. Like, let's do one minute. One minute of just connect my time with God. Clear your mind. Allow God to speak to you. Don't compare yourselves to the people around you because that is going to take you away from what God is wanting to do in your life. He wants to do something in your life Give yourself your goals that he is giving you. There is no formula to do this, but there are things that Jesus did that he wants you to do. But it is not to do them. It is to get closer to him. John 15, 1 through 8 says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Listen to this. If you don't hear anything else, this is it. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. So this whole goal of being a Christian in faith is to produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit. And they will produce even more. Sometimes there's things in your life that are getting cut back. Because he wants to do something more in you. You feel like something's being taken away, but it's actually being added to you. You ever seen the, the tree, you cut the branch off and all these little branches grow out of it? He wants to do more inside of you. I have no idea what I'm talking about with that. If that's a good thing, awesome, but if it's not, just ignore it. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Remain, abide, whatever word you need. Sit in his presence. Allow him to speak to you. I'll tell you how this works for me. Find a quiet place in a quiet room and allow him to just speak to you. Don't do anything else. Remain in him and he will remain in you and allow him to speak to you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitless if you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. This is not a, a point of judgment or condemnation on anyone, but if you're looking at your life right now and you don't see fruit being produced from your life, the fruit that we're about to talk about, then this is a time, a, an amazing time, 
to look at your life and say, Jesus, what is it that needs to change? What needs to be cut off? What needs to be removed so that I can have the fruit that you're talking about? For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me right now, if you make the decision to remain in him and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. The trick is when you are in him, the things you ask for are going to be different than the things you're asking for right now probably. Okay, And it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. This idea of abiding or remaining, it gets, it's talked about ten times. We have to get into God's presence. And in just a few moments, we're going to have another uh, song of worship. And this is an opportunity for us to get into God's presence with the rest of us here. We are going to have an opportunity to get in God's presence and allow ourselves to hear from him, to do what he's asking us to do, to be close to him. We have to root ourselves in God's presence. So this week, when things were going crazy in my life, Monday, it was like Tuesday, I looked around and I thought it was Saturday because it was like, how can all these things happen in two days? And I can say with complete honesty, that on Tuesday, I was in a good spot because I was remaining in him. Because I didn't allow the things around me to just push me around and shove me around. I was rooted in Jesus. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I was, I was getting on the struggle bus. I wasn't there. I wasn't as where I needed to be. But I'm realizing that, and I'm trying to look forward to more ways to grow in those areas, and this is what we've got to do. Did I have fruit on Thursday, Friday? No, I didn't have the fruit I needed, but I've got to remain in him. What am I doing today? I'm going to remain in him because he's, he's perfect. He's done it time and time again, and he wants to continue to do it. The trick with this life is going to be that we always have to be ready to do two things at once. When you're drinking your morning coffee or tea or water, whatever you drink, please no alcohol in the morning. Little joke. Um, You need to be with him. You're with him at the same time. When you're driving to work and you're driving and, you know, hopefully you're not flipping anyone off on the way to work, like, you're with him at the same time. You're with him everywhere you go. The trick is allowing him to be with you, remain with you everywhere you go. This is not just church on Sunday morning. It's not small group throughout the week. It's not prayer time on Sunday. Allow him to be with you at all times. Dallas Willard has a quote that says, the first and most basic thing we must do is to keep God before our minds, keeping him in front of us all the time. He has to be on the forefront of our mind all the time. Number two today is implement spiritual habits. So if you've heard this before, you may have heard spiritual disciplines. I, I tend to like the word habits better because it makes more sense to me. 
These are habits that we've implemented into our life. These are not disciplines that we white-knuckle and force ourselves to do. They are the fruit of our life, and they're the things that happen through our life. They're the practices of Jesus. So we will talk about this quite a bit over the next several weeks, but Jesus had practices that he did, and these are actually non-negotiable ways to live our life. And the, the hard part about these practices are is that they've become to be things in, our, in, the, in the church world where we don't do them because we feel like they're things that we have been shoved down our throat in the past, and they have been things that we have been told to do and, and argued about, and, and they are now things that we don't want. But these are the things that Jesus himself did, and they're the practices that we should follow. And I won't have them on the screen right now, but I will after a bit here. The first one, and the one that we'll talk about the most, is Sabbath. Who loves the Sabbath? And you're like, what? I love the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is plain and simple. Um, It is a time to stop and rest. Does that make any sense in our culture right now? Like, is there a place for that in our life? No, I've got to pay the bills. I've got to get going. But I will tell you that if we can find a place to stop and rest in our life, that I promise you the energy that God gives you through resting in him will exponentially grow. And I, he will take care of your every single need. Anna and I and my family have been practicing this uh, more in depth for the past couple of years than we have before, and we haven't skipped a beat. I honestly feel like my work is better now than it ever has been, um, but it is a difficult step. In the coming weeks, I'm going to have some, some worksheets for you guys. You can read through what it means to Sabbath, how to practice it, how to start it, that kind of thing. Prayer. Prayer is something that needs to be in our life. Fasting. We'll talk about fasting more in January. Solitude. Is anyone an introvert in here? I'm I'm kind of mostly an introvert. I like to talk to people and hang out, but you love this one. Like you want to go out and be by yourself and have some time to yourself. Solitude is important. So we can't always get like an hour or two a day, but taking a couple minutes here and there is good. Scripture reading. Scripture reading, just reading God's word. We have a we have a U version online Bible group that we have at an, in the church. Just reading through God's word together as a church community. We do small groups, jumping in with in relationships with other people. It, the Bible says that our healing, when we confess our sins to another person, that's actually where our spiritual healing comes from. Does that sound crazy or what? Because I hear a lot of people say, "Well, I don't need church. I just need God." Well. It says you need, you, need, you need other people, so I don't know what you're looking at. Simplicity is one. Simplicity. We need simplicity in our life. Generosity and hospitality. So I'm not going to go through every single one of those and all, all the details that we could. But over the coming weeks, we're going to dig into those a little bit more. But these are habits that we can add into our life, and you're thinking, man, that's a lot of new stuff. And the cool thing is, you only need to do one at a time. You don't have to feel like you have to do everything all at once, but God wants to do something in you through the way of what Jesus has done in his life, and he wants you to experience those. 
Followers of Jesus don't do these things anymore with any regularity than anyone else on earth. Jesus led the way in how to live this Christian life, and we haven't been following his lead. These practices are, are all a means to an end. Reading your Bible is not so that you can memorize scripture and point things out in other people's lives. It's just not. Reading our Bible is not so that you can thump someone with what you believe and, hey, I believe something that's better than what you believe. I will say scripture memorization is helpful in that it helps you grow closer to Jesus. Prayer, hospitality, all these things, we don't do them just to do them. I don't just Sabbath to Sabbath. I Sabbath so that I can grow closer to Jesus. I read my Bible not so I can be smart, and there are times where I'm reading my Bible and I'm like, I'm just trying to get something smart out of this, and I have to stop. That's just me. Am I the only one? Okay. We don't read it just to get smart. We read it so that we have an overflowing of what Jesus is doing We want more of Jesus in our life. We want to be closer to Jesus. We want to understand Jesus more. We want to know what he wants us to know, and we want to do what he wants us to do. Flip your mind around. We've grown up in this culture where you go to church because you go to church, right? Like, you read your Bible because you're supposed to read your Bible. You're supposed to pray. Guys, we do these things so that we can get to know our, our provider, so that we can get to know the person who is taking care of us. We do them so that we can get closer to him. Galatians 5, 13 through 26 says, For you have been called to live in freedom by my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Well, God has grace, no He's saying use your freedom, instead your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. He's saying get closer to me so that you can help your neighbors. Not so you can bite each other's heads off. This is the point of a church, to be close to each other, to love one another. Hey, if someone in here offends me, I need to talk to that person, right? I don't need to go talk to someone else about how that person has hurt my feelings. It says right here, love one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your life, it will pull you away from the things that Jesus is doing in your life. These are the things that are pulling us away from the way of Jesus. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, this is what happens when we allow our sinful nature to pull out. 
we will have sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've done before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Basically, it's saying when you don't have that connection with Jesus that he's talking about, then these are the byproducts of what's going to happen. It's just going to happen. That's just how life is. Those are the things that are going to happen. But here comes the next passage. When we do have the connection with Jesus that we need, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. And this is the only way it happens is when we have that connection with Jesus. When we are with Jesus, we have love, we have joy, we have peace, we have patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are not things that you can do on your own. And you can try to just muster up the ability to have peace, but it will be a false peace. You cannot have false love. You can fake love, and you can do it for so much, and you can look like a loving person, but it is not the same as the love that comes overflowing from our life when we are with Jesus. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. We submit our life to Jesus. We surrender it all to Jesus, and we allow him to take all that sinful desire onto the cross, and he takes it and lets it die right there. One of the most misread passages in the Bible. It's not a list of commands. It is not a list of, you need to be better at this. It is not that. It is, hey, this is what happens when you have a life connected with Jesus. This is your life. It doesn't say, go and be more peaceful. It says, It does not command you to be more gentle. It says you will be more gentle when you have a life with Jesus. So how do I do this? How do I do this? How do we walk in the spirit? We allow Jesus to lead our life. We have to be connected to the source. And the source is Jesus. And so I'm going to give you another set of things that will help you do that. And I would ask you to take some of these, take three or four of these and write them down on your notes. We have to live like Jesus. The third point today is experience Jesus, adopt his lifestyle. Jesus has a lifestyle. So I hope you understand at this point that I'm not telling you to do more. I'm, I'm now giving you things that will help you be with Jesus more than anything. I want to read a, a quote here. We, we all want to have a, uh, we all want to be like an athlete that can run forever. And we look at these athletes and, and they're amazing runners and, and we wish we could just be fit. And we wish it would just happen, Right. This is not going to happen. We don't want to adopt the lifestyle that the athletes have adopted. We look at professional athletes. We will never be professional athletes. We're, we're, we're past that. I think we're all past that, right? 
But if we want to have the lifestyle of an athlete, then we have to adopt the lifestyle of an athlete. We have to adopt the lifestyle that Jesus has given us. We have to adopt that. Your life is the byproduct of your lifestyle, your rituals, your routines, your spending habits, and your calendar. Jesus wants to be with you, and he wants to help you. Dallas Willard again said, the general human failing is to want what is right and important, but the same time, but at the same time, not to commit to the kind of life that will prude the kind of action we know to be right. They didn't call themselves Christians in, in the first century. If you read in the Bible, they call themselves the followers of the way, the way of Jesus. And that's what I'm calling us today to do. We need to rearrange our lives to be followers of the way of Jesus. We don't subscribe to a belief pattern. We subscribe to following the life that Jesus has put in front of us. Hear me right now. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. This is not going to happen today or tomorrow. This is a long-term goal. This is a long-term, lifelong, in the trenches, giving Jesus everything you've got every day of your life. It is not going to happen overnight, but you will see success over time as you give him more and more of your life. I just have a few things to share about this. Simplify your life, simplify it. We are way too complicated. Jesus wants us to cut out all the stuff that is not helping us get closer to him. He wants us close to him, but sometimes we have a lot of things, and I, I, I don't like to bring up specific things because then people think that that's the biblical truth of what I'm saying. You know what those things are, and if you don't, spend time with him and he will reveal those things to you. Remove them from your life, simplify your life. Just do what he asks you to do. Slowly add in the practices of Jesus. Slowly add in Jesus' practices, the things that he did to help us get closer to him. He did them to get closer to his Father. I'm going to read these up again. They're going to be on the screen. Take a picture if you want. And I would strongly recommend that your first one be Sabbath. Add in the Sabbath. Add in the practice of Sabbath on Sundays. Dedicate your life to Sabbath rest in him. Many of you are well past your abilities and your strengths because you have not taken the time to rest and say, God, you are the God of my calendar. Prayer, fasting, solitude. Again, they're on the screen. Scripture reading, community, simplicity, generosity, and hospitality. Would you guys stand with me? God wants to do something in your life through you, and he wants to do something in your life around you. And he wants to do this, and the only way that we're able to do this is to completely surrender to what he has planned for your life. So let's pray. God, I thank you that you have an amazing plan, that you have a way 
to grow in our faith with you. I thank you for what you're doing in my life, through my life, with my family right now, God. I ask that you would continue to work through us, help us to lead people into a better growing relationship with you. I ask that you would be the source of everything in our life. And Lord, I ask that you would be with every single person out here today that is ready to take this step in faith with you today. Lord, I thank you that you are about to do something amazing. And I just ask that people would be able to take the time to slow down and allow it to be a step-by-step process with you. That we would be prepared to take that next step with you. Prayer teams, would you uh, gather in the back and be prepared for people? God, I just ask that you would come down today in this moment and help us to see what you see. Help us to be ready for what you have planned. We just ask that you would come into our heart today, Lord, that you would be the one that we are focused on completely. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus and you're just, you're hearing about this way of Jesus and you're hearing about what he can provide and what he can do for me, if that's you today and you want him in your life, I would love to give you an opportunity now. I'm gonna make it simple for you. I'm just gonna count to three and just ask you to raise your hand up. Nobody's looking around. It'll just be me looking to see who's praying. But if you're ready to surrender everything to him, and maybe you thought you did a long time ago, but you're ready to actually do it today. You're ready to give him everything that is in your life. If that's you, I just wanna, I'm gonna count to three and have you raise your hand. One, two, three. Please raise your hand now. Thank you, I see that. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Would everyone pray after me as a sign of confession and faith to Jesus? Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender everything to you. I bow down to you today. I make you the king of my life. You are the great teacher. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. In your name. Amen.